0: Welcome to Once More With Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Allie. I'm Ginny. And we are in the big one this week. We're Mm. a little nervous to talk about it Um, because we're talking about seeing red on Buffy and we're talking about the price on Angel. Both have some big endings and the Buffy episode in particular was just big all around. So it's true. um, Before we get into that and why, Ginny, how are you doing? I get nervous.
1: <laughs> um, no, I mean, I'm I'm pretty good. I, yeah, I have wasted a lot of time playing video games this weekend, but it feels pretty good. And I got a haircut yesterday that feels good, too. Oh, nice. Also, my cat probably has kitty asthma, so. Oh. <laughs> that was a, a, that also happened yesterday. We had to take her to the vet <laughs> for the like thousandth time. We should get some sort of punch card there, but whatever.
0: Because she's like allergic to dust or? But possibly. Possibly. It's arguably, I can't imagine you have any dust in your apartment. Yeah,
1: I know. That's what's so infuriating about it. But basically she's been coughing and that, that's like, I, I, I you know, I obviously look things up before we go to the vet and it kind of seemed like that was probably the likely answer. So really just hopefully it is like the way that like humans kind of, you can get asthma like kind of induced by anything. It's like, maybe it's seasonal for her. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hopefully it's just from the AC Or from the pollen Or from some specific thing That's out and about And that it'll kind of dissipate As the year progresses But we'll see
0: Or maybe we just like just your have Your apartment to, like, You've created Too clean of an environment
1: for her. <laughs> She needs to get Her own dander everywhere
0: Yeah Like she maybe. needs to Like be exposed to it
1: Yeah well, I, That's not what the vet said The vet was like If you treat it The way you would For a child She was like You could consider Getting an air filter Like we already have An air filter Should we get a second air filter I don't know Whatever We're going to play it by ear. I think what I mostly, unlike all the other times that I've rushed her to the vet, I was like, this time I'm going to like give it a minute and observe everything and make sure it's not something else or that goes away. As long as she's like eating and, you know, eating and drinking normally and like acting normally otherwise, like she's probably okay. But I am glad that we took her in.
0: Anyway, I hope you have kitty
1: insurance. I know we could have considered that.
0: Now she has all these pre existing conditions. She does. She's gonna get barred. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> she'll um, be
1: okay. But she's been fine otherwise. She's still acting normal.
0: I um I could hear her in the last episode. That's what, what Alex said too, I know.
1: <laughs> right now she's I think she's sleeping, so I don't think she'll start up, but hard to say.
0: She had a big day going to the vet yesterday, so Yeah.
1: She hates, she hates it obviously but it was kind of cute because on the way back we had to kind of carry her the long way around because of the subway like where it let us out and uh, so I was kind of like carrying her in her little cat carrier she has one of those little like fabric ones like a messenger bag sort of mm. um, or like a duffel bag more like um, but I was just kind of carrying her in my arms and it was really sunny out and I think she started to sort of enjoy it because she was kind of like just curious and she kept sniffing the air and like was basking in the sun so I think it ended on a positive note
0: yeah, she's like, oh, this little fabric box doesn't have to mean trauma. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway, how are you?
0: How's- uh, I'm good. I uh, feel like I've had a really full weekend so far. Um, yeah. Because I went to the Carly Ridge Epson concert. Oh, my God, there. that's right. Oh, how did uh, I
1: already forget about that?
0: It was so good. That's so you know, great. well it was good. It was also like I mean she was like all business. Like she was just like barreling through songs like no yeah. no real like interaction with the crowd. Oh, um, interesting. And also though it was like only 90 minutes. Like it was a little Uh-oh. short, but huh. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that. Um, but it was fun because, like, it's Pride weekend. And so, like, technically it hadn't started yet on Friday, but, like, or, like, not the official celebration, but, like, like all the stuff was set up at Civic Center. So, like, it kind of felt like one of the events. And then, like, the crowd was definitely treating it as if it was, like, a Pride event. Like, yeah, that Like, everybody's sense. all, like, decked out and, like, yeah. just having a big party. And it was super fun. Um, and it wasn't sold out, but, like, I'm... Kind of grateful for that because it was already kind of crowded. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, this is enough people. This is fine. But then, yeah, like no, it was crazy because like I say, like it ha- Pride hadn't started, but like I was, I got off the train to like walk to the venue, and there was like a parade happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was Like, oh, what's this? It was like the Trans Rights Parade, I think. And okay. So I was like, okay, like I didn't know there were like three events this weekend and then I met um I went to the concert with friend of the podcast Jordan mm-hmm. who's yeah. been on that <laughs> He episode. is a friend
1: of the podcast
0: yeah and um he just had like a horrible time parking because like oh
1: right it's so busy yeah and
0: like everything was like blocked off and I was like I'm so sorry I did not make that connection that that would be really difficult this weekend yeah 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 but I like I didn't even realize it was like the same weekend until like Friday <laughs> yeah so I was like well um but no it ended up being really fun Um, good I'm glad I went and she had this like amazing pink metallic catsuit that I need in my wardrobe (laughs) now I have nowhere to wear that but I
1: (laughs) to the next Carly Rae Jepsen show
0: right or to the the brunch I'm going to today yeah maybe yeah one of two things but um no it was really fun so um and then yesterday I just like oh I also meant to tell you I finally made Russian dumplings um, oh, from that cookbook? Yeah, from that cookbook, yeah. Okay. and Because I had to buy, like, the little apparatus, which I've also had for almost a year, but then I was like, I'm going to make this, and they're so easy. Like, oh. it's this thing, like, it's called a palminista or something because, like, the, the dumplings are called, like, palmini, and they're really little, and so it's like, if you're making them by hand, it's, like, obviously really labor-intensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so they invented this thing where you just, like, roll a sheet of dough on top of the the mold and then you fill it with like your fillings and then you roll another piece on top of okay. that and then you just like take a rolling pin and roll it on top and it like pushes all the filling down into the mold and then like cuts out the dumplings.
1: Oh yeah and you can
0: make 37 at one time.
1: Okay I can't totally picture this but that's very that's okay
0: i took pictures and i'm gonna put on the blog so you can see but like i was just like i felt like i was like doing magic like i was like oh my god (laughs) this is genius (laughs) and i was grateful that i hadn't bought like a cheap one online that like didn't work
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: yeah but no it was really fun so i made like 100 something dumplings yesterday (laughs) yeah but in like way less time than it would have taken otherwise sorry who's gonna eat 100 dumplings uh me i okay I just put them in the freezer, but they're, they're little. They're like, probably like, a they're not even like a tablespoon size. Okay. 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 Yeah. I'm picturing. There's a teaspoon of filling in each one.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. No, you'll see. It's really (laughs) fun. Uh, anyway, but enough about cooking. Let's talk about seeing red. Okay. Not Let's a segue, just a decision to <laughs> forge in on. In which they make Russian dumplings. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, this is, like you said, kind of the big one. In terms of, like, I guess big one, it's, like, a very notorious episode of Buffy, so I'm going to attempt to talk about this in as... Yeah, um, quick, uh, quick, quick and, dirty and type of way. Like, what's the word I'm looking objective? for? Objective? Like, objective, like, I, I, I guess what I want to say is I don't want to talk about this in a manner that's, like, bad, but I'm just going to go through the facts. Yeah. Just like literally, yes.
1: Go through the facts as best best as possible.
0: Um, Okay. So. And as quickly. quickly.
1: What? I said and quickly.
0: And quickly. Okay. (laughs) All right. Try to wrap this up. All right. So uh, we start out, Tara and Willow are reconciled and we get some happy scenes of them in bed together and like, you know, reveling in their being back together. And You know, they realize, like, Buffy didn't come home last night. Willow kind of goes to see if she's okay because of, like, all the events of, like, you know, they kind of, like, Willow's like, hey, like, she was really bothered by the whole Spike thing. And Tara's like, yeah, because they're sleeping together. So, uh, which is kind of a shock to Willow. Yeah. But (laughs) she goes to see if Buffy's okay and she runs into Dawn only to find out that Dawn had already figured this out faster Mm -hmm. and um, was also slightly worried about Buffy, but um, said she had talked to her. And so she's probably okay. And then um, Dawn sees that Tara's there and gets super excited and tells them, Oh, Mm. don't mind me. I'm not here. Just, you know, keep on what you're doing. (laughs) Um, But then where Buffy is actually is out trying to track down the trio because, you know, they discovered all these cameras and so she's just ready to deal with them once and for all. And, come to find out she gets to their lair and they've cleared out like it's totally empty um they have set kind of a indiana jones style booby trap for her mm-hmm. though um which was kind of cool <laughs> um, but buffy evades it and you know she she wants to find them so she takes all the the evidence that she gathered from their lair back and has willow start working on decoding it you know willow t- like finally figures out hey i think they're robbing this like Bank, or they—they've got a bunch of planned bank heists, but I think this is the one that they're doing tonight. Mm -hmm. And so Buffy goes and tries to um, stop them, but meanwhile, Warren and Jonathan and Andrew have killed a demon to put on a meat suit in order to access... <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, essentially, yes. So, yeah. In order to access this, like... Magic testicles. Magic, like, cave where these <laughs> orbs live that mm-hmm. are, if you use them, they make you both invincible and really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so Warren uses them on himself, so when Buffy is fighting him, she can't really beat him. However, by this point, Jonathan has kind of figured out that the tables have turned and that Andrew and Warren are plotting something against him. So he runs at Buffy and attacks her just so that he can tell her, like, you know, attack the orbs, like, that's what's giving him strength. So Buffy does that, um, Warren jets jetpacks away, um, Andrew tries to jetpack away and, and fails, and so he and Jonathan end up in jail, like, they get taken in for this attempted bank robbery, Jonathan now has confirmed that he definitely was set up to take the fall for this. Mm -hmm. Um, Andrew is just cranky because he didn't get away and Warren just left him there. So Buffy knows, like, Warren's out in the wind, but at least two of the trio are taken care of. Meanwhile, she and Xander are trying to kind of, you know, work through what happened. Um, You know, Xander's really angry at her for sleeping with Spike, and and then, as he says, doing it behind her back. So they kind of talk it out in the courtyard, and, you know, they're hugging it out. It's a really nice moment. And then Warren walks through the yard and starts shooting a gun at Buffy and Xander, Buffy gets shot, but then also one of the gunshots goes through the upper window at the Summer's house and hits Tara, where she and Willow are standing. And Buffy is obviously not in good shape after being shot, but Tara is quite obviously dead.
1: Yes. Um,
0: so that's already in the episode. But the part that I totally forgot, yeah. and I oh. apologize, because <laughs> um, yeah. I think I was trying so hard to like talk around <laughs> it. Um, when Buffy comes home after fighting the trio,
1: no, it's after um, something else. Oh no, else. before that. Sorry, yeah.
0: She's she's out it's just um, random slaying. Oh my goodness. She's out patrolling and she kind of gets injured so she goes home to like take a bath and Spike shows up. And, you know, it's like, why were you so upset about what happened with Anya? It's because you love me. And Buffy says, no, I don't love you. You know, I don't trust you enough to love you. And it starts out like a calm conversation. But then Spike, obviously, is getting more and more angry. And he tries to kind of impress upon Buffy that, no, you love me, you love me. And kind of knocks her down into the tub. And then basically full-on attacks her. Yeah. Um, and she fights him off. And, you know, he leaves. But obviously... Uh, kind of a shocking experience, and Xander comes in at the end of this and kind of gets the gist of what happened. Right. Which sort of leads to their reconciliation conversation right. the next day. Yeah. Sorry. I was really <laughs> trying so hard to, like, place that in the right spot, and I just blew right past it.
1: Well, I mean, I actually think that's kind of telling for one of my critiques, but I yes. don't know how we exactly want to attack all the things that happen in this episode because there's so, so much... And now I'm regretting not taking, I didn't take notes when I watched this one because I didn't want to get myself so bogged down. Um, And now I regret it a little bit because I'm like having snippets of memories of like, oh, right, I wanted to say this and I'm already forgetting. But I think just to start off, I, you know, this is like a, this is a sensitive episode for a lot of reasons. I feel like you didn't quite describe what spike does as trying to rape buffy but i think that's like undeniably what it is
0: it is exactly what it is
1: and i get it because i also like don't it's just like a hard thing to keep saying and i don't i get it if we're not going to keep using that word or not but i think we're both in agreement that that's what's going on here i Um, think we can
0: use that word i think i I guess i more so mean
1: that i don't want to repeatedly say it because it is like depressing but yes Sorry, that's not even really where I meant to go with this, but it sort of is. I guess I just want to say we've been talking about this episode, specifically the spike aspect of this episode for a long time, but I think this is going to apply to the Terra, bit, terra dying in this episode also, is just that in general, I can understand why if this episode, either of those or both of those, is a deal-breaker for you as a, as a person and a viewer, I would totally understand that. So, like, we're obviously doing this podcast because we still love the show and just because there are, there are definitely elements – a lot of it mostly in, contained in this episode that I don't agree with, um, that I prefer to, to not accept in my own personal headcanon of the show because I just genuinely think it is bad and inconsistent. So I guess I just mean to say that, like, I, I'm, never, I'm not going to defend Spike. This is horrible, and this is a reprehensible thing that he does. I still probably have in the past and will in the future defend why I love Spike because I don't accept this as a thing that he would do. So I guess this is all just my convoluted way of saying, like, if you don't like this episode, I get it. I don't like this episode either. But we set ourselves on this project. I still like the show. It doesn't ultimately ruin the whole show for me. So I guess that's kind of where I'm starting from, right? Of like, I get it, though, if this is like too much for you and you never forgive Spike or you never forgive the show or any kind of variation of that. Because I I think the two really heavy annoying things that this episode does is like deal us a uh, I think we can talk about how we think the rape scene is handled, but they also kill Tara, which is mostly heartbreaking and a lot, but like your lead into this show your lead into this episode is also like, it's Pride Weekend, it's Pride Month, and it's I, it's definitely notable that of the of the few gay characters that are in the show, two of them are dead now, you know? So it's like, there's just a lot going on in this episode that is Tough. I think there some poor decisions were made. <laughs> and I guess that's where I'm starting from.
0: Yeah. Um it it's interesting. I because I yeah, I I really wasn't trying to um I know. I know kind I know, of they, smooth uh, over what yeah. was happening yeah. no, it I is hundred percent he's attacking her as in raping her or trying well, trying to rape her. Um, yeah. and I you know, I my big problem with it I think is because like you said, it comes across as like very you didn't know where end. you didn't know
1: where to put it in the episode because it is a weird scene. It's like a weird it scene. It's out of it's nowhere. Not,
0: it's not. I think the reason it's so easy to lift right out is because it's it doesn't follow independent the plot. of almost everything <laughs> yeah. else in the episode. Exactly. But exactly. the one thing that is kind of frustrating, thinking about it now, is like and like when I was watching it last night, is that you know the show is almost trying to do it both ways, where they want to show yes. the yes, yes, the, yes, the extent to which Buffy has tangled with. This so called monster. Yes. But they also want to present it in a way where you're supposed to forgive him. So they're setting you up what? to have it both ways. And I'm not saying it's successful, but like, or like whether you want to forgive him or not, but they're trying, they, because I think there's a reason. Buffy and Xander have this whole conversation beforehand where Xander is saying, if he didn't have a chip in his head, would you trust him with Dawn? Mm -hmm. And Buffy's like, that's not the point. And so the show is, I think, trying to make the point where Buffy has trusted him because of this so-called leash on his head. But, you know, that is like her excuse, but like that also doesn't erase who he really is. And so then they're trying to say like, oh, Buffy, this is who he really is. You should have been aware, like, this is what Spike is capable of. But then also they want to have him do it while professing his love for her and then immediately decide, like, to leave town and go try to, like, fix himself. Like, I just... Well, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is they're trying to say with it. It's, like, a really muddy message. And so the only thing you're left with at the end is, like, did you just want to shock us? Like Yes, I agree. It's shocking to watch, but also it is. like you're what right. purpose you, does it serve? Because now when Spike does come back, you have the problem hanging over you the entire time of like How this can man she tried ever to rape yeah, her.
1: yeah. No, I agree. Actually, I love the way that you wrap that up because I have a lot of things to add to what you said, but you're right that ultimately because there are aspects of that scene that I I don't want to say it's good because ultimately it's not I think it felt very out of place literally that scene happened and I had to pause the episode and I was like did I miss a transition scene we literally just go from Buffy patrolling to them in the bathroom like why is he in the bathroom what happened why did she let him in the bathroom you know like all of it is just like it's it's very it's just, as we've complained about for other things, sometimes you can just see the marionette string so much that it's like, you are working so hard to make this happen. that it is not natural. <laughs> so I have a lot of complaints about that. We can get back to that. But what I really wanted to add on is that you're saying, you're right, and we've talked about this a lot too. The show wants to have it both ways. Spike is both a monster who doesn't have a soul, but also he's something that can get a soul and then therefore magically be redeemable or whatever. That is its own problem. They have clearly, they, you know, right spike whichever way they feel like week to week to get across whichever point they want or however they feel like punishing Buffy that week or feel like making her punish herself. But what uh, also really, I think, muddied, really, really muddied whatever it was that they were going for, for with this is the fact that they make that scene and I was kind of reading some inner. I was reading a little bit about all of this before we started recording. Like, it's definitely also filmed in this really way that is really supposed to humanize both Buffy and Spike. And I don't mean humanize, like, make them more empathetic or sympathetic. I just mean, like, Buffy is, like, for, you know, kind of inexplicably not able to fight back. Spike is not really acting like his, even when he, didn't have the chip you know this really was never the way he behaved like this level of evil it really just feels a lot more like it feels very believable to me of watching a man and a woman interact this way but it doesn't feel like it's because he's a vampire or because he doesn't have a soul do you know what I mean so I guess what I'm saying is that not only do they want to have it both ways in that they want us to be able to love Spike again but they also want him to be reprehensible in this moment and they want to prove something about something about how redeemable he is or isn't question mark but they also really keep Hitting on the nose is because of the chip and because of his soul. But then in the moment when it actually happens, it's the most human thing that has happened on the show. Like, it's not supernatural at all. So, like, I kind of don't believe it has anything to do with the soul or the chip. So why do we keep making it about that? Like, is this a story about Spike and his actual inclinations and about how a lot of men maybe haven't dealt with the fact that they're capable of something like this? Or is this a, is it a supernatural story? And I think in, this, in the past, Buffy has been able to really handle those kind of metaphors really well. But this season has just thrown so much mud in this one already. And then they and then they film it this way and then they do all this. So that was a very long winded response where I was just trying to add on. They also want it to be both human and supernatural in a way that I don't think gels.
0: No, I think that's a great point, Jenny. And I'm glad you said that. And I'm glad you went on this (laughs) long winded tangent no, because I think you're right, I think. And that's something that, you know, I wasn't really thinking about so much. But like, you're right, like the way the film is uh, the scene is filmed and like, the intimacy of it automatically puts this, like, human kind of, like, gloss on it, right? And then mm-hmm. also the way Spike is acting, where he's acting like a man yes. who just feels rejected yes. and is trying to, like, reclaim any shred of this relationship that he can, and then when that doesn't work, he turns to violence, which, you know... It's not, yeah. this I will say, I the problem of this, the way that they do it on the show, is because they're using this very human like chain of emotions and the way they set the scene makes it feel very human to make the point about him being not human, which is just a problem. But I I do want to also pause and say that I actually think that the depiction of the progression of this calm conversation to this violent act is something that if they had to do it this way, I'm glad that they did because yeah, yeah. this is kind of a problem that comes up all the time. You know, you hear about rape cases where they're like, Oh, you let him on or right, you let right. him in or like because I, I think the one thing that they've done well here is show an instance of attempted rape that happens it's like partner violence, right? And right. it's like someone that she knows and it's not like, right. it's I mean, not Buffy a dark spends bomb. her life down dark alleys. Right. <laughs> like right. it could That's- just be, you know, so easy to like have it happen like that way, but it's not. It's, it's a way, it happens in a way where like, if they were in a world where Buffy were to like press charges against Spike, She, she, she would, would be getting a lot because, of questions, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. of the way that this sets up, but like. Yeah. So I appreciate on the one I, hand yes, they're showing like a, a realistic interpretation of like how this might unfold, but unfortunately they're also using that to make the complete opposite point. And they're just using characters who we've been with for six seasons and they have storylines and they
1: have characteristics already. So like this is I guess that's yes, that I was kind of referring to the same thing when it was like there are parts of the scene that I feel like are done well and what you said is basically what I mean that like I appreciate that they're not making it that they are trying to make the point that this can happen to anyone and that it can, you know, happen and it happens in this kind of almost normal seeming way. And I say that on purpose, you know, like it it feels very, it just feels very real. But it just doesn't fit these characters, in my opinion. And I don't, and it's kind of, it was a jarring switch in tone as this season has done a lot with a lot of other scenes too. So yeah. And actually while we're in this brief moment of like, in terms of plotting the scene and filming the scene, I do feel like Sarah Michelle Gellar and James Marshers were also, they they really did their best. They did they did a good job, is what I want to say. I feel like they really sold it. James Marshers in particular is like, I know I've read a lot of interviews with him where he's like, that was the worst thing I've ever had to do, and I'll never do it again. But I feel like he really he did a good job, I feel like. selling yeah. It doesn't make sense for Spike for all the reasons that I previously stated, in my opinion. But if he's going to act out a scene this way, I feel like he did a really good job. Portraying what you, all the things that you described of like it's not a stranger in an alley at least not always it's somebody that you know it seems like it's normal at first and then it just progressive and gets uh, progresses and gets out of control I feel like all of that kind of range they they handled the actors handled well
0: whether it actually needs to be there at all or so the story is not
1: I mean it doesn't ultimately right it doesn't and not only is this sloppy for all the reasons that we said of like what and also like they have Spike have a conversation with Clem about it in this episode and I was like I really don't think this is a great time for you to bring in yet another morally ambiguous demon to try and really hit home a point about him having a soul like what and even that conversation that Buffy had with Xander where he was like would you even trust him with Dawn if he didn't have the chip like honestly yes right like I would, is Spike all of a sudden gets his chip out? The first thing he's going to do is eat Dawn. Like, I'm sorry. He, without the, even with the chip, he could easily have done harm to Dawn in countless other ways. So like, I just don't buy that logic. It's fine that Buffy doesn't trust him. Ultimately, I think that's a fair point, but like really this really trying to pin everything on either the chip or the soul is just so unsuccessful to me.
0: I think that's the the big problem, right? Is like, and We've we've mentioned it now like three times, but like, that <laughs> no. is the problem: is that the writers seem to be under the impression that they've made a point that they haven't. That Spike is only leashed by his chip and it's domesticated him, but like we see it as like that might have been the catalyst for him right. hanging out with this team, but like his emotions have domesticated him right, more right. than yes. ever oh, could. That's and so that's why them trying to use that in this instance to be like, oh look, he really could be a monster. Yeah. You know, and never mind that for this scene, you have to remember that Spike can attack Buffy because she's the only one he could ever do this to because the chip would fire otherwise. Right. But, yeah, it's... Well, and also, like, now, like I said, the problem of coming back when we see Spike again is, like, chip or not, soul or not. Right, right, right. Why does it matter? Why does it matter what's... Now you've written yourselves into a corner where why would we ever redeem this character, you know?
1: Right. And I will, with that note, say that I mean, we redeem Angel and he's done much worse.
0: No 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 or I'm the saying same, but we haven't No but I'm saying yeah. why would we because I think the point is that the soul is supposed to redeem him and right, so that's right, why when he right, comes back right, he has right. a soul and that's the important point is right. that they're saying this right. is a different spike and that's the argument they make every single episode on right. angel is this right. is a different person so <laughs> right. we have to buy into that if we watch angel but right. the point that i'm saying with spike where they right. shot themselves in the foot is they've already made that point independent of his soul so what right matter right. like what because does, exactly on one you're hand, right, they are right. trying to say Angel and Angelus are two different people, and Spike is making the argument that he can be good Spike without a soul, so right, right. It's just, at least until now. So I'm just saying like you're right, no, you're right. For you're, right Spike, you're right. that line doesn't exist. you're right.
1: yeah, no, it's true. I think my other two kind of bigger picture complaints about this as a plot point really is that it does feel I mean, this whole episode is it's hard for me to know because of, like, my actual age and generation of how much of this stuff, you know, when this aired in the early 2000s, in 2002, some of this stuff wasn't maybe as cliche as it feels watching it now, 20 years later. uh, Nearly 20 years later. But I still ultimately also just take issue with the fact that mostly that that we just need to make this point that even Buffy can be assaulted. Because... I get it, and I like I said, I understand the point that they're trying to make, but as a, as a woman that goes through the world, pretty much always aware, never really not thinking, hey, I might get assaulted today. You know what I mean? Like, it's always... I'm not saying it's my main thought, and I'm like, that's always running through my head, but it's kind of always running through your head, and it's annoying to see to not have any reprieve from it. That even in this show, even I have to watch it here, even I have to see it here. It's not really what I signed up for, and it annoys me. So that annoys... It annoys me that... I guess they've done gymnastics in the story to make it so that Buffy is just physically vulnerable enough, even though she's an actual literal superhero who has beaten Spike repeatedly. But that they just to make this point that like even she could this could even happen to her. Is it's like, I know it could even happen to her. I know it could even happen to me. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> so that annoys me. And I think more so it's just it is definitely a, a little bit of a problem that, that is ultimately this happens to motivate Spike to go get his soul back. You know, and that is like, oh, so it's also this isn't something that is important to Buffy's life. It's not important that we see this happen because of Buffy. It's important that this happens because of Spike and that is also just really
0: pfft. Yeah, I um I agree. I mean, I think the 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 meta point I would say to that is like that's kind of what happens with, like, assault and rape is, like, it does kind of come out of nowhere and, like, it is annoying that right. it constantly happens right, and, right, like, disrupts right. your life. Um, but I think the annoyance here, like, is... Well, for me, is, like, that it didn't need to happen at all. Like, exactly. it's not really serving the plot as a bigger issue.
1: Well, I think it is serving the plot, but it's specifically only serving Spike's plot.
0: No, but I'm saying, like, they wouldn't even need that because... Oh, that's true. Like, right, of I course. think that yes, Spike yes, could decide yes. to go right. get his soul... It would, yeah. Without this, if anything, it would be
1: more touching to see him really just make that decision once and for all.
0: Yeah, because Buffy's rejecting him, so I could see him deciding. Well, you didn't reject Angel, and what's the difference? Oh, Angel. Right, 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 right. right, right. Like I just think like this really didn't need to happen. Right. To 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 make to like to get to that point either. Motivation,
1: but it does, and it's annoying to have women assault. Get used as motivation for male characters all the time in uh, media. Yeah. So,
0: that Especially I think the, is what I mean the to say. The one who assaulted her, so sure. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Speaking uh, of, I mean, okay. I'm segueing us out. No, of here. I think we should. Um, I mean, I don't
1: have anything else to say <laughs> about that.
0: Speaking of uh, problematic male characters. <laughs> God, um, yes. Oh my God. <laughs> who are lashing out because they didn't ever get what they want. Yes. We should talk about the trio. We should. And specifically, Warren and. Oh, Warren wow. has gone full incel villain here. He is so. the worst.
1: He's the worst. I hate him so much.
0: <laughs> I'm laughing because
1: it's so. I'm so mad at him. Even that actor was in something that I watched a few months back, and I was like, I hate you. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> you can't ever do anything else. He was not playing a villain. I forget what it was, but I was like, man, you poor, poor actor. I don't think everybody feels that way because not has watched Buffy, but everybody. Anyway,
0: but I. I think it's telling that Warren gets the orbs and his first thing is to go to the bronze and pick up women like yes. I think that really speaks to like his motivation is that he just feels rejected by women he feels rejected by the world yeah in some way and now he's going to make it right like he's gonna go you know fight back to some bully from high school and he's gonna go try to pick up girlfriend like his girlfriend and like all this stuff and I think Jonathan and Andrew are a little bit like okay, we have other things we are supposed to be doing, but mm-hmm. I think the telling thing is that face-off with Xander where, you know, Warren's trying to throw Anya and Spike in Xander's face, and Xander recognizing Warren's Achilles heel and right. main, main motivation right, is right. like, hey, to- at least I got a girl. Like, right. you know, it's no, Warren I is doing it. all of this in some weird service of trying to get a woman. I mean, think about it. Like, he built the robot. He then kidnapped Katrina and killed yeah. her, and... You know now what's he doing? First chance is going to pick up women, but I'm like, it's just this message that like because he couldn't get women, it's turned him into this villain, and I wish that that seemed ludicrous, but it doesn't unfortunately, <laughs> Warren is every troll on Twitter, like, right?
1: And every you know shooter in well a that number too. of locations. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, no, you're and you're right that I I think it's even it's more that he just then or rather to add on to your thought of like, it's because he wants a girl. It's also, it's not just that he wants a girl. It's that he clearly feels that he is owed one, you know, like he never got it before. He is now powerful and he is going to use that power to get the thing that he was always supposed to have in his eyes. And yeah, it's awful and disgusting. I, yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 I do sort of appreciate the, like also just complicated dynamic that exists between the three members of the trio you know that like there's clearly a side they clearly are using have decided that jonathan's the least important but jonathan doesn't really know that but i don't know i just for some reason the fact that there's like this even further hierarchy between even just the three of them is very interesting to me
0: and that andrew somehow seems so willing to like follow warren it's so true blindly. it's true um although i couldn't tell in this episode if they were suggesting that perhaps andrew is in love with warren. i think they were and i yeah I think they were,
1: especially when he was so brokenhearted at the police station at the end, and he said yeah. something about him not loving him, but he maybe they cut him off before he said the word or something. Yeah, I have not done a deep dive into that, but it is interesting. I, yeah. But either way, I mean, Andrew clearly idolizes Warren for whatever reason. Poor, poor Jonathan. Do you think that Jonathan would have told Buffy about the orbs if he didn't think that he were being set up? I think he would have.
0: I think I think so I think Jonathan, the I reason that they're at that point I'm not sure he really knew he was being set right, up until okay. like it wasn't cuz it, it wasn't until they both the revealed jetpacks. the jetpacks yeah. yeah
1: and I do feel like actually the reason that Jonathan is getting cut out at least by Warren is because he's the one who's really he's really the only one who has at all questioned the morality of anything that they're doing I mean he's obviously gone along with everything up until this point so it's not to excuse him but he's the only one that even asks some of those questions so you know when he's like oh so I I guess I I just wish this didn't happen to Jonathan. And unlike with the Buffy thing where I'm like, I wish they didn't have to make this dumb point about Buffy getting assaulted to do blah, blah, blah. It really pains me as a viewer and a fan to see Jonathan end up this way. But I, I don't think it's the wrong choice thematically or like within the story. It is really tragic to me. I know we talked about it, just that Buffy has saved him so many times, and I appreciate that he at least throws her this little bone. I think he specifically maybe wouldn't have done that for anyone else, but because he and Buffy have this tie, maybe that's why he felt like, I don't want to watch her get
0: killed right now, but... Yeah. Ugh. Um, I think it's especially striking in this episode that Jonathan is in it, because I was just thinking about the similarities, where we're talking about Warren as someone who feels entitled to these things that he feels like he hasn't been given and right. you know he he's going through these magical means to try to get them but then they're taken away from him and then what his his instinct is then is the human way right. which is well I'll mm, just shoot gun. you. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's really striking because the show Buffy has gone to this well before right, right? where only with Jonathan um, really yeah with the with Jonathan back in season 3 and it turned out Jonathan was just trying to kill himself but you know, this this threat of like a school shooting. Mm-hmm. Um but that that's really what happened here and we talk about the comparison between Warren and all these, you know men who Real go and shoot and up schools yeah. and office office places and all of that. It's like well, Warren does exactly what they do, which is, well, what's my what's my resort here is I'm just gonna come and shoot yeah. you. Like how dare you do this? Like yeah. I will kill you. And I I f- I see the like I don't know if that's the point the show was trying to make because yeah. when Buffy comes with, with yeah. the gun it's such an intimate setting that I don't yeah I don't know like I I'm drawing a parallel but I don't know if that's supposed to be there but what I what I found really interesting is the the spotlight on this idea that Buffy's wrangling with humans right so, no yeah no I like they've spent all this time this season using supernatural slash scientific means to try to take Buffy down, where it's easy to kind of lose sight that, oh, she's tangling with, like, people. Right. Yeah. But in the end, I think people are more dangerous than any of the demons that she faces. right? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Which uh, which ultimately does kind of just lead to, again, the just, like, the real, the
1: muddiness of the morality in this episode is just all over the place. But I agree with you. I do ultimately think that this trio plotline was pretty successful for... Pretty much the reasons that you're saying. I mean, it just feels so realistic, but not in a way that is like, "But why would it be here?" Like, I, I, I mean, they're definitely the root of some of the like weird tone inconsistencies in this in this season. But I feel like the overall storyline is still pretty powerful.
0: Yeah, and I I bring this up this weird segment mm-hmm. uh, because I I was really struck by it. Where like, you know, Darla is the only demon we've ever seen grab a gun, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And and that I might mean, just speak to Darla, but like it's it is striking that Buffy is fighting these monsters that are so dangerous, but she's doing it with like medieval weapons mm-hmm. and stakes and her own brute strength and like they can kill her, sure, but like if they if she defeats them, they tend to kind of just like go Except, try something else, yeah. like somewhere else. Like but Warren's instinct right. is to now come back and right. just take care of her once and for all with the easiest weapon available to humans, which is a gun. And right. I don't know if the show is recognizing, like, that, 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 that like, the horror of that. Like, right. I, because I was thinking about it because I was thinking about at the beginning of this episode, like, it's really setting off, like, the end of the season, and I was really struck by the idea that the big bads in this season aren't really at all supernatural. Mm-hmm. Not really. There are supernatural trappings, I mean, as we'll see, but... But really, the root of it is this very human... Right. You mean, like,
1: what motivates Willow?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. They're, and Willow is human. I mean, right. they're people who've been hurt or let down by the world in right. some way. And then yeah. Buffy is then having to, like, deal with that aftermath, whether it's her fault or not. And right. Yeah. <laughs> on the one hand, I'm like, okay, like, it caused some annoying plot points. But on the other, like, it's a very striking idea. I, I think, think it's a really and, good idea, I think... Yes. Yes. I think you're making...
1: You're making really good observations, and I, I agree with everything that you're observing. I think... I think that's true, that this... Yes. I'm struggling to decide if I like it or not, ultimately, but we still have a few right. more episodes to go before I think I have to make that call. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I, I that's think,
0: the thing. Like, I don't agree with the way it takes the plot. Like, I think you can still make that point and have Tara not die, yeah. but I yeah. just, like... Yeah, I think
1: so, too. And we don't need to, you know, assault Buffy either. So, I shoot I just had
0: a I mean don't you think it's possible that Willow would have the same reaction if Tara was just close to death yes and I think it would again like like we've tried they've tried to do a lot in this season and to do a
1: lot of metaphors because they just haven't been as clean as someone some in the past like I also in some ways again it would be a better storyline for Willow to to relapse even with Tara, you know what I mean? Like it's this, it's weird that it's like, it doesn't, she doesn't have her whole life and well-being doesn't have to be pinned on one person, nor do I really think it is, you know, if Tara hadn't died, I think it's very possible that Willow would have dabbled in magic again down the line, not necessarily gone to this immediate, you know, other dark place, but I, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think they, they took a big swing with this season. I appreciate that they tried to do something different because you're, you've also, I think we both noted a lot in the last seasons, you know, it's like a, a big bad, a bigger bad, a bigger bad, a god and then it's like, what do you do from that? So, in a way, it makes a lot humans, of sense. That's and right, it, Exactly. Humans. But in a way, it makes so much sense that, in a, that they've sort of dialed it all the way back down to like, now she's just dealing with humans and see how much bad stuff there is here too. I think that's a very good idea. I think they just... Are so used to writing the other storylines that they were just really struggled to like make the metaphors work and make all of the seams kind of come together. So it's like so much of this season has been like such good ideas so poorly woven together,
0: <laughs> which is so strange because yeah. when you're dealing with humans, it doesn't have to be metaphorical anymore. Exactly. It yeah. Just be you can just be depicting the actual thing, and why not? Because so much of like growing up is like realism right so i think it would have worked out really well if they had a season focused on like the ups and downs of growing up and dealing with the real world and like said you know what it is the real world we're not going to use metaphors we're just going to show you what happens like
1: yeah and they just didn't know know how to do that and have it still feel buffy and still feel like monsters are there or vampires are there i get it i'm sure you
0: could walk that line in a better way than they've done it's
1: true but i also wonder then thinking about it now you know some of that was probably feedback from the network being like hey we bought this new show you need to give us some flippin' monsters you know or not bought this new show but like it went to UPN like I I can understand also being like cool idea you need to add more monsters (laughs) so I can I wonder if a little bit of the inconsistencies are coming a little bit from that kind of tension between maybe what they thought they could do and what the network would let them do but I've never actually read anything to that effect I just think about tv and networks a lot so I mean, we pretty much breezed over the Tara and um, Xander stuff, which I am fine with. Xander was very irritating to me at the beginning of this episode. He was pretty redeeming at the end of it. I thought you his. And the Anya
0: and. Yes, Xander I'm stuff? so sorry.
1: Yes, Anya. Um, four letter names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with A's, I don't know.
0: Um, I almost said Anya and Willow at the beginning. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's like
1: I don't want to. I, I liked Anya's little tidbits in here. You know, she's trying to be a vengeance demon again. She gets so distracted that she doesn't hear the girl clearly trying to make her wish is, you know, it was, it was funny, I guess. Xander was annoying. He still really needs to think about himself and his life. I felt like he made a decent turnaround by the end though. I really, really liked his conversation with Buffy when they're in the garden where he's like, Hey, they both admitted to messing up. And I really appreciated that because I thought it was like a really genuine moment between friends. I for once didn't feel like he was secretly still trying to hit on Buffy the way he even seemed like he was doing an episode or earlier in this episode ago. I liked their scene.
0: Yeah. Xander was very frustrating because he kept telling <laughs> yes. Buffy like, you were doing this behind my back. Right. And I'm right. like, I'm sorry. In what way does she owe you to do this in front of you? Like, <laughs> right. I don't know what business it really was of yours. And Xander is awfully, awfully selective about Spike where like, he's angry about him sleeping with Buffy, but he's perfectly happy to like go into battle with him. Right. And, like,
1: Which she calls I, out. Buffy calls out. Yeah,
0: no, it, but it's true. And, yeah. yeah, Xander's just. I guess what I'm, I'm forgiving saying is, him I'm in like anticipation, but like, well, this is his low point. It is, but I guess I mean to say though,
1: I felt like he said that stuff in the beginning of the episode, but when they were talking in the garden, he wasn't saying that stuff anymore. So I guess what I'm saying is, I think he showed a modicum of personal growth in this episode. I'm sure he's still ultimately harboring some of those feelings and sentiments, and he really, like I said, he needs to take he needs to sit down and really think about himself. But I, do, I did feel like he said, oh, it hurt me that you didn't tell me, but I understand why you didn't because I, you knew how I would have reacted. And I feel like that was the first time that he's ever owned up to that dynamic or, you know, that dynamic to their relationship and that specific, like, chip on his shoulder that he has. So I appreciated that he owned up to it a little bit at the end.
0: Yeah, and I like that he did what Buffy wanted when he comes into the bathroom right after Spike That's leaves, true, yes. And, like, Buffy's like, just don't. don't. Yeah. And he doesn't. Yes, and I I was like that. Phew. That is- <laughs> okay, Xander yeah. can display some maturity when he wants to,
1: right? Of like, this isn't your situation, and this is immediate, and you need to give her some time before you,
0: yeah, fight a and battle also for her. Will and she- then coming in and Buffy being like, like silently even. And yeah. that is some great acting by Sarah yeah. Michelle Geller, by the way. Just to, but just to be like, communicate. Like, do not say anything. Just go. Yeah. like, Yeah. Fix this. Yes. or Whatever.
1: Um, sorry, I know what I wanted to say a little bit ago when we were kind of talking about how they've stumbled with the metaphors and maybe they don't need them all the time. I think a good example of that in this episode, and this is kind of a minor thing, is that, uh, you know, Warren goes to get these orbs. They're just very testicular. And I felt like that was yeah. like, do we need to be that on the nose with this? Did we, need, again, did we need another metaphor in this storyline? Because the storyline is pretty real world. Not sure we really need it.
0: So well, that I, was like... I, I... I... Couldn't remember, but I was kind of chuckling to myself, because as soon as Jonathan was, like, bust his orbs or whatever, I thought the joke, the obvious joke would have been for Buffy to immediately, like, kick Warren in the balls. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) And then realize, like, oh, whoops, but... You mean this, um, yeah. Yeah.
1: It was also, I didn't actually really... That felt like a missed opportunity. (laughs) I wish they had chosen another magical element but whatever um i didn't even really think about this but something that alex pointed out that in retrospect is just really funny is like okay so they plan all these bank heists or you know heists of bank transportation and this one is like a big payout from the local amusement park yeah. which like okay fine it kind of silly but they really film like why did they why was that the setting for this fight they just could have been any driveway with a bank vehicle, a security vehicle, you know, an armed vehicle. Like, you didn't need the carousel in the background or whatever, or the Ferris wheel. Why was that a part of this story at all? Why did we waste any words on that?
0: Also, how much business is the local yeah, Sunnydale exactly. amusement park even getting?
1: No one would go to Sunnydale. You'd die there. Yeah. Okay. So that was weird. Whatever. Ugh. Anyway, I guess... Yeah, I mean, the final element of this episode, obviously, is that Tara gets shot with a stray bullet, and it's awful. I definitely cried a little bit, teared up, even though I knew it was coming. It. I guess, ultimately, I, I feel similarly to the Buffy-Spike plot of this element. I'm not sure this was strictly necessary. It's definitely a mar kind of on the Buffy history that they were one of the first shows to show a lesbian relationship at all. And then we've gotten to see it and it's been so great and positive and, you know, it hasn't really been the like focus of much of the, I don't want to say it's not the focus of the storytelling, but um, I don't know. I just feel like it's it was such a forerunner in that regard, and then it also is sort of a for- forerunner in, like, oops, and then also we we kill all those characters. And, like, I get it. I think it's more nuanced than that in this episode, but it's still just a little bit disappointing, especially in retrospect of, like, ugh, you were a leader in so many ways, but you're also kind of a leader in falling, falling trapped to these really old cliches.
0: Well, on the one hand, yes. It's a shame I- that they've taken one of two... Gay characters on the show and killed that killed one. Of them. Well, and they also killed um,
1: Larry in high school.
0: No, I know, oh, but I'm okay. saying like I, I think, think there's like more of a trope with like lesbians, right? Yeah, like, that's they, true. True. Yeah. Um, what's it? The, do they call that fridging? Is that no fridging is uh
1: what happened to Buffy? Which is or no when you kill a woman to motivate a man. This is bury okay. your gaze.
0: Okay. There's but, a, there
1: are a few words a few terms for it.
0: Okay, and I I agree that that's a problem, but where I. I'm willing to give this show a slight benefit of the doubt, is only because they've done this before. Yeah, no, no, no. I, in a straight couple, like they killed Angel to motivate Buffy, and they killed Jenny to motivate Giles. They killed Jenny to motivate Giles. Like no, I, I just I agree, sort like, of. Yeah. It's, if anything, it just feels like a pattern of the show. To take a romantic death, a romantic partner kill them, and then try to motivate another character. Is it problematic that they've chosen to do this with Willow and Tara, especially when they've just gotten them back together? Yes. Yes, but it, On the other hand, it also feels like they're treating them equally as all the other character relationships. Yeah. No, show, I mean, I which definitely, I, appreciate. I definitely like, think there's. They're not saying we can't kill Tara because she's a lesbian. Right.
1: So I, I think that there is a lot of nuance to it. Like. Yes, kind of part of what you're saying and part of that, like, it's not like Tara first appeared and then died immediately or right. that Willow reverts to heterosexuality after this for some reason or things like that, which are also, like, older patterns to the, to this kind of idea. I think for, I think it's more so that, like, kind of like with the Buffy, you know, sexual assault sometimes feels like you just can't escape it in media. Like, I know if a sh- show has a woman in it, somebody, some, she's gonna face that at some point. I feel like it's kind of, that's kind of where I'm, I think the perspective on the Tara thing is it's like, I get it that it, it, it in a lot of ways it makes sense in the story and in the plot, but it's also like, oh, if there's a gay character and specifically a lesbian character, you know that they're going to die. And I feel like I can understand why that is just, it's just exhausting. to Just like, oh, this, we're still doing this. This is still definitely going to happen because you know it's going to happen even before it does. And I, I don't feel like I thought that when I first watched it because I hadn't, I don't know, seen I don't know. I just have not seen as much. Well, because I didn't know in 2002, much,
0: there weren't as many instances of lesbian characters on TV. Well, I guess that's exactly. I, <laughs> but I guess
1: that's the point too. Of the two char- two lesbian character, maybe there's five on the air in 2002 total, and one of them dies. Like those aren't great odds. So no, I guess that's where that's why it's problematic. It's not because none of it makes sense in this storyline, or because they've really handled it poorly in this episode. If any, I mean, I do think it's like it's so sad and so tragic that I really deeply felt it as viewer in a way that made me. It didn't make me like it. I hate it. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I really felt it. I really felt that moment. And I feel like that was because they've done such great work with Tara and she's been so good this season. That's why it feels extra tragic. But I just feel like it would be remiss to not point out why it's also a misstep.
0: And, and as you know, ma- and, and the point that you I'm made earlier. I'm not trying, I also yeah. want to be clear that I'm not trying to say that it's not a bit of a blunder on the show's part. Yeah. Um, no. Because it, it definitely is a trope in media and it's a problem. Um, I just also wanted to point out that it's also a killed a lot of people. A it's true. Totally, totally,
1: totally, totally. I think those are both, both of those can be true.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. Wow. Okay. We probably should move on to Angel. Yeah. Holy, yeah, holy moly. Probably. Okay. <laughs> I thought we were going to be at, like, the 40-minute mark, not the 50-minute mark. So, No.
0: Nope. Great.
1: Okay. So I think we could talk for two more hours about that episode and about this season in particular. I think if you need more delving into this, there's plenty of other pieces written about it. So we will move on. Right? Do you have any other final thoughts? No. Nope. Okay. Nope. All right. So the price was... Uh, an episode in Angel (laughs) where, uh, you know, they're still more or less dealing with the fallout of the Connor situation where he got stolen and, you know, taken to an alternate dimension where they'll never be able to find him again. They're, like, repainting his room. They're kind of, you know, trying... Everybody's still sort of trying to tiptoe around Angel. But they also realize in this episode, I think it's Cordelia who first points it out, that, like, hey, we also can't get this big pentagram stain out of the floor where you, Angel, perform this really dark ritual with Lila And she's like, also, sometimes those things have consequences. And so that's like basically the (laughs) setup of this episode is like angel casting some very dark magic. Turns out it did have some consequences. So there's these extremely creepy centipede lobster invisible or not invisible, but transparent creatures rolling around the hotel. Some random guy comes in for help looking for his dog. Also, P.S., whatever happened to the dog? Uh, And instead of getting help, he accidentally ingests one of these and immediately one of those little creatures immediately turns into the villain from Men in Black and he needs to drink water. So they've you know, the gang kind of hears about it from Lauren, who sees this guy at the smoothie shop and, you know, notices that it's something suspicious, suspicious. So they eventually piece together that it happened when he came in to the hotel. They think that they can just hunt down the one little lobster creature that there is, but it turns out there's, like, thousands of them in the basement. So, you know, one by one, all of the um, Angel Investigations team are kind of endangered, and sure enough, one of them finally makes his way into Fred. So she is now probably going to die. And we saw that the... Sorry, I didn't say this, but the guy who first ingested one of those little monsters, eventually is so de- dehydrated that he his body like turns to dust. So that starts happening to Fred. So the whole gang is trying to come up with a plan to kill the things, but um, Gunn on the side is so worried about Fred that he becomes desperate enough to go seek out Wesley because he knows that if anybody would know how to save Fred, it would be Wesley. Um, and Wesley very begrudgingly helps him, um, only because it was Fred, is what he says. Uh, and yeah, so gun comes back. They're able to, um, save Fred by (laughs) making her drink a bunch of vodka. Sure. Um, and the, I did not say this, but those little creatures kept making when they were in people like Fred and the other guy, they kind of kept saying these creepy things like, you know, we're thirsty, we're blah, blah, blah. Uh, but they also mentioned that this other bigger demon is coming and sure enough, it does. Um, so they are in the main lobby of the hotel and this huge creature comes in and they are all like not sure how they're going to deal with it and then all of a sudden the camera cuts to someone else who uh, a, a teenage boy who handles the monster and he's like I'm here dad or something I don't remember what he said but it's Connor
0: it says, hi dad <laughs> there we go <laughs> I, I wrote that down
1: <laughs> hi dad and it's Connor but all why is he 14 or 15 you know that's how the that episode ends
0: yeah, I think that they weren't talking about the demon. I think they were talking about Connor.
1: Oh, maybe, but that's a good point. You know, it didn't actually occur yeah. to me. This, there was a big demon though, that yeah, he yeah. But I think yes. that was
0: the fake out because they were t- they just mentioned the destroyer. You're right.
1: The destroyer is coming. Yeah. Okay.
0: But I, my main problem with this episode was that I. F- had already forgotten that Angel performed dark magic. Me too. I know, I know me they too. They kept pointing to the pentagram, and I was like, Yeah, I don't remember I thought, what that I, was from.
1: When they kept pointing to it, I definitely thought, Oh, it was from when there were 20 different demon tribes all trying to yes, steal Connor. That's I was like, what One I of thought. them did it,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I was a little bit like, It kind of undercut the episode yeah, a little bit where I it's agree. like they're paying the price because I was like, For what? And I like, don't, yeah,
1: I, I don't remember that being a big plot point of like, You shouldn't, you really shouldn't do the same. You know, again, as like they have these. In their head, they imagine that these conversations happened that never did. <laughs> or, yeah,
0: I mean, and maybe it's never it really clear, like, where these little slugs were coming from and, right. like, ultimately what they wanted. Like, they kept saying it, but it was like, yeah, I don't... And then Cordelia just, like... Oh, right. Cordelia uses her
1: demon powers that she still doesn't really know or understand to kill all the slugs.
0: Yeah. So... Yeah. I guess they didn't really get what they wanted. I don't know. Yeah, I... I don't hate this episode. Um, for some reason, I thought it was like the next season because I didn't remember it was tied in with Connor coming back. Yeah, I, I was surprised um, that Connor
1: came back so soon. I thought he didn't come back for a little bit longer.
0: Right, Maybe the finale or the,
1: next ep- or the next season. Yeah, so I was surprised yeah. about that, too.
0: Yeah, but no, he's, he's back. Although we don't, I mean, all we know is that he is back. So, right. And clearly built to, or grew up being a warrior, like, he's basically, like, Gruselog. Like, he's just, like, yeah. decked out in his weapons and, you know, killing giant demons that look like they dropped out of video games. Yes, um, <laughs> it did look like that. <sighs> pixelated and everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree. This is, like, a fine episode. I don't have major complaints, at least nothing new. I am definitely still annoyed at how everybody's talking about Wesley because I just... Even Fred, the last that we saw, kind of handed him, you know, gave him a what to. And so I think it's a li- I'm I appreciate that he feels anything for Fred still, not just because he had feelings for her, but because she was the literally the only person that, you know, visited him in the hospital and didn't try to murder right. him. So, like, I, I I think that part really checks out. And I thought it was touching, you know, that he is. I don't know. I guess I just it's so hard to see Wesley in this place. It's so hard to see him that conversation with Gunn was, like, brutal once again. Everything about Wesley guts me, you know, that, like, also that Gunn then doesn't reflect on it and, like, apologize and think maybe we are being unfair to you because, again, this whole episode is about how they're, like, Angel has brought this on them by a decision he made unilaterally, and then somehow that's fine, you know, it's just because it was his son, but, like, I don't know. I just really don't understand everybody else's logic. If it was just Angel, I would get it, but I don't know why Cordelia's buying into it or why Gunn is. Like Gun and, or, Gun and Angel have but it is his
0: whole stance of like I can't even consider Wesley's right. side. Yeah, I, I just, have to consider why, why? Like, yeah. What, in what way is Angel earning that? Like Wesley has done so much more for the team yes. and like not made like he made one unilateral decision and yes, it was a bad decision. Yes, and it didn't go the way he planned. But like Angel has done way more, so many other things almost as bad, and they're just like, oh no, we can only go with Angel, and it's like. It's true. Fred is the only one that went to see Wesley. And I love that Wesley calls it out, which is like, I "I thought for sure my friends would care enough about me to want to hear my side and understand what happened. And, like, basically, like, no, they didn't care. Yeah. So.
1: So I still am mad at everybody for that. I thought the goose log was great in this episode. I really wish he stuck around longer. (laughs) I don't I, I don't remember when he leaves either. Maybe he never leaves, but. I'm certain that he leaves, but I, 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 did enjoy him. I always enjoy him in the background, not even when he's just played for comic relief, but now they're sort of sowing these seeds of like, Hey, you know, he's getting jealous of Cordelia and angels relationship, which I think is, is fair based on everything that we're seeing. You know, she's kind of repeatedly putting a prioritizing angel above everybody else. And they, she tries to explain that like, well, he's, he's my work priority, but you're my, you know, rest of life priority. But it, I can definitely see why it doesn't feel that way. But I guess I'm just saying that like, First of all, yes, all of that obviously needs to come to a head. But even when the Grueslog isn't just playing, kind of being played for laughs, I thought he did a nice job in this. I really like him.
0: Uh, Sunburst Splendor is a few more worthy <laughs> of the champion, and then his stumbling over
1: purple, purple, <laughs> Yeah,
0: and they like, and yet you have no problem with pomade. <laughs> you know, he's
1: like, my mother's name, <laughs> or something like that.
0: <laughs> I love that whole exchange. It was really cute. <laughs> But yeah, like I feel like he's such a nice addition
1: to the show. I kind of wish that he became more permanent, but whatever.
0: Yeah, it's the least
1: of my concerns when we're mistreating Wesley. Still, I also totally for- forgot to mention the like little Lila, um, what's his name? Gavin. Gavin, thank you. I was like Gary. No, that's not right. Uh, Lila and Gavin's you know political war at Wolfram and Hart, where Gavin is just really toying with Lila repeatedly and making her question all of her decisions. It was kind of interesting. I ultimately, I mean, they never really tie it back into the angel stuff, though. So it just definitely felt like it was just kind of sitting outside of it. And it was like, I guess it is an interesting to it's interesting to be reminded that apparently she and Angel had worked together on this thing. But I do wish that she had showed up at the end. I guess it was just a misdirect for us to think Lila was what was going to save the day from the big monster at the end. But I don't know that that needed to be that way. Like I and I sort of enjoy watching Gavin kind of toy with her, you know, because they're just so maniacal and evil between the two of them. But I feel like it could have been a little, a little more relevant.
0: Yeah, but also like, aren't you just a little bit exhausted with yes. like the inner workings of like, my human heart? I like and
1: I like Lila and I like Daniel Day Kim, a uh, Gavin. But yeah, it was like a little okay, sure. Um, Those little monsters were so creepy, though. Or actually, the monsters were pretty creepy. I really have an aversion to, like, shellfish like that. Like, I can't eat lobster because I don't like their little claws together. And I uh, did not...
0: (laughs) The claw is no, the tastiest I
1: can't, part. I, if you somebody pulled out the meat for me, I could eat it, but I can't. The way their little bodies come together really grossed me out. And, and then it was the same when like, the guy kept getting dehydrated and his skin was cracking. Oh, like, really, I had to look away a couple times. So it was so gross.
0: Yeah, the, the the fact that they look like a little shellfish didn't really bother me as much as they just look like slugs. Yeah. Where, like, they, Ugh, like, soft. and hate slugs, And, I hate they slugs skitter too. and like, yeah. <laughs> oh, when they found it, like, like drinking yeah. from the toilet also side note like they've got that whole wing what are they doing yeah i don't it? know lauren's right they should open it's a true nightclub.
1: also they really owe lauren literally anything i'm still waiting for lauren to get yes. any sort of you know repayment for all of the strife that they've put him through i don't think he'll ever get it
0: well he does live in the hotel oh, okay. now
1: but i guess i didn't realize that But still
0: but you could let him start a business yeah. there too
1: it's true Since their business is (laughs) failing, the currently existing one has no customers. Um, I did kind of crack up, though, a few times about this particular monster because (laughs) it definitely reminded me of that Men in Black, you know, sugar water guy. (laughs) And that was just hilarious yeah. to me. But also they kept saying, we're thirsty. But the way they would say it, it sounded a lot like in Arrested Development. There's like a, a scene where um, maybe is trying to come up with a horror movie monster. And she ends up seeing Lucille after she's gotten like a facelift without her bandages on. And she's like, I'm <laughs> thirsty. And like the way that they said it, I was like, you guys are Lucille bloop. <laughs> you little monsters are just Lucille bloop. And it's hard to take you seriously. <laughs> uh. So those are accidental foreshadows into other pop culture. Actually, Men in Black had probably already come out. Yeah, but
0: yeah, Men in Black had definitely already come out. Um, No, I mean it's yeah, it's fine, and it. I mean, yeah, it's fine.
1: I don't know what to make of Connor because I really don't. I don't remember, you know, how exactly he gets here. So I am interested to watch the next episode and hopefully get a little bit of explanation. Um, It's gonna be really hard not to see him as Pete (laughs) from Mad Men now, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'm interested to to see where this goes.
0: They just did entertainment. Oh, the big just did yeah, their I know year anniversary stuff, and um, yeah, Claire sent me a link to that, and I was like, yeah. I don't care. <laughs>
1: That's kind of how I felt. <laughs>
0: uh, I was like, no. But then I was like, where's Connor? <laughs> oh
1: yeah, yeah, he wasn't on there. Hmm.
0: Yeah, um, I guess he doesn't have to remember that he used to be on Angel because he's got Madmen. That's his true. Belt, so it's fine. It's true. Well, I really have nothing more to say about this one. Me I, either. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a nice break in that there's a case of the week yeah, kind of deal, yeah. like Monster of the Week. But I know we're getting back into the whole, like, Connor mess, so... It's just a uh,
1: shame that Angel is the, still the main character and is all still revolving around him. Because I thought, like, Fred...
0: Justice for Wesley! Justice for, Justice Wesley, for Wesley! I
1: also, I, I guess I feel like they, could, they should have gone farther with the um, gun and Angel interaction at the end. Because they kind of just are, like... Angel just doesn't really fight Gunn, but I felt like they really, you know, because Gunn basically goes, you know, he doesn't ask anyone's permission and they're pretty much forbidden from speaking to Wesley. Uh, But so the fact that he goes and visits him just to save Fred, you know, Gunn also the whole episode is kind of saying, like, we need to just take Fred to the hospital. They're like, well, we can't do that because it could infect everyone else. So I guess what I'm trying to say is everybody else is pretty much on the like the greater good matters more here than Fred and Gunn obviously won't accept that because he and he loves Fred and loves her, you know, more deeply than the rest of them do. And I guess I just think it was it was a really interesting parallel to kind of Angel and how how wild Angel gets when anybody close to him is threatened that way. But it was not anyone when Connor (laughs) or Buffy, maybe I don't know. I guess I just wish they had aired that out a little bit more because it kind of felt felt like a missed opportunity to be like, oh, it's okay that ultimately it was fine. Then he went and talked to Wesley and it's like, well, Angel, if it was fine for him to do that, maybe we should all be having a different conversation with each other too about Wesley. <laughs> you know, and what Wesley thought he was doing and how you guys think that's the, you guys think you're making the greater good argument right now, but that's just what Wesley thought he was doing. So maybe cut him some slack.
0: Well, maybe they'll have to do it now that it turns out he didn't actually Right, get now killed. that he's alive.
1: Yeah, good. Yeah.
0: Everybody just But easy. no, I mean, it's just really frustrating. Like, yeah, there is a double standard. Angel is the one who decides it, and everyone else just goes along with it, which yes. is super irritating. Yes, Like, he can't forbid them from talking to Wesley. What? Right. What's the ultimate consequence going to be? He's going to fire them? Like, he needs all of them. Right. So, yeah. <sighs> I, I, I do wish, and I do wish that Gunn had kind of pointed out, like, you know, his refusal to help Fred. Right. You know. I agree. I mean, I don't know what a hospital would have done. No, same.
1: I'm not sure that was the right course, Yeah,
0: (laughs) but yeah, but it did seem a little bit like angel was just running them from room to room and not really doing much of anything. Yeah. So like no one was even researching anymore at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, it's, it's frustrating, but Mm. I, I I don't have higher expectations at this point of the show. So
1: very true. Um, okay. So next week we have villains for Buffy and a new world for Angel. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think I will be interested in Buffy. Yeah. And uh, that's where we're going to be. Do you yeah. have a pop culture this
0: week? Um, no. Okay. I no, I don't. I, I was, like, thinking, I was like, do I? But no, no. I already mentioned the concert, so. Right. <laughs>
1: um, I sort of ma- mentioned this, too. Uh, my, I, I do have a recommendation this week. It is two years old. I am way behind the curve, but I started playing uh, the Switch Zelda game, which is called Breath of the Wild, and it has completely overtaken my life. It is the only thing I want to do. It's so fun. <laughs> I haven't gotten signed into a video game in, I don't know, Ever? not quite the same way and I don't know it's really cool it's just really pretty it's like totally open it feels really organic as you play the game there's like 20 thousand ways that you can play it like I now I'm bothering all my friends who I knew played it when it first came out and like I keep having these conversations where my friend is like wow you're playing it totally different than I did and I'm like oh it's so cool and like even Alex and I are playing it sort of at the same time and he's like we're both having totally different experiences where it's like I've seen tons of things that he hasn't because it's just an open world yeah. And you can kind of go wherever you want and do whatever you want. And it's just really cool. I'm really enjoying it. Also, you get to cook in the game, which I mentioned to you yesterday, but it <laughs> is so cute. Cause you can like, so you like pick up apples and you pick up, like you can buy food, but you can like, you can like hunt animals so that you get little meat, but then you'll find little cooking pots kind of just placed throughout the world and you can mix things up. And it's good because it gives you like, it restores your health or it gives you special powers. So you could be like extra sneaky or be stronger when you're fighting, you know, monsters or whatever. But, um, mostly Uh, the whole game soundtrack is beautiful. Like it's so relaxing. I definitely started listening to it at work this week. Um, just as like a really nice background music, but the little sound effects when you cook are like, it's, it, it's so hard to describe, but it's such a, it's such a little satisfying scene that I like, I find myself watching it a lot. Like, you can skip past the little, like, animation of him cooking. And I do if I'm making, like, 20 dishes in a row. I'll skip it. But I I really like to watch it. It just, like, makes a little clink, clink, clink. And there's, like, a little oh. a little cute melody that kind of plays behind it. And it's, like, it's so so satisfying. Also, if you do things wrong, you end up with, like, something that's nigh unedib- inedible, <laughs> which I think is charming. So, anyway, um, I'm having a lot of fun cooking in the game. That's been one of my main focuses.
0: What is the ultimate point of the game? Um... To save the
1: kingdom of Hyrule, uh, okay. which is kind of always the thing. You wake up. The beginning of the game, you wake up, and it's clear that somebody put you in, like, into some sort of like sleep coma for not coma, but like into an induced sleep for a hundred years because a monster has taken over the kingdom, and uh, they were. I'm still. You're still discovering. I'm still discovering what the. Like, I've, you, you don't remember anything. So as you go through the game, you kind of are finding new memories to figure out exactly what happened. But, like, you were part of this um, set of champions that defended the princess and the kingdom. And obviously the, the monster basically defeated everybody except for you and the princess is still alive, like kind of holding things together in the castle. I haven't gotten to the actual main villain. He's, like, far away still. I have to do a lot more first. But you also don't really have to beat him, I don't think. Like, there's lots of side quests and lots of other missions. I think a, a lot of my friends were like, oh, we never beat Ganon. Because, like, you could spend hours, uh, hundreds of hours playing the game and still not do that. And you, you, like, don't need to. So I'm not sure how far I'll make it. I, I really want to beat it because I never beat Ocarina of Time, which is the N- N64 Zelda game. And it is, like, a real weight on my shoulders. So I really want to beat this one. <laughs> um, and who is oh, Zelda? We'll uh, Zelda is the princess. I'm sorry. Okay. Zelda is the princess. It is weird that the games are called Zelda because Link is the main character. Yeah. I'm, you and play you that. Play so I Link. was like, yeah, 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 but yeah. who's Zelda? So Zelda is the princess. She has some sort of magical ability that she's using to hold the kingdom like in a, not in a stasis, but like she's like just barely holding off the monster and I'm her like loyal champion knight. It'd
0: be like calling Mario peaches.
1: Yeah, it would be like that. I mean, Zelda, at least at least in this game, it's clear that she's very powerful, too, and has, like, a lot going on in the storyline, but, um, yeah. Anyway, it's fun. You can also... I'm trying to buy a house. Like, it's a very, like... It's sort of like Sims, where you're, like, just playing a game and just trying to do whatever you want. But, and if you want, there's, like, also this huge mission that you can do. <laughs> I'm, like, trying to save up wood and rupees so that I can buy a house for myself.
0: So how do you wake up? Uh,
1: That's just the start of the game, is you just are woken no, up. No, but, like...
0: Were you only under a spell for like a set number of years and yes. then it ended, or I like think so.
1: You... I think so.
0: Okay. How's the princess still alive?
1: She's. I don't really know that yet. Oh. Uh, but Sorry. Ma- I just ma- asked no, you a lot magic, of questions. Magic is the answer, but I don't exactly know. Because literally, when you wake up, you're just you're just in a cave, and then you like get this little tablet. Like I basically have a little iPad. <laughs> you know, you use like an ancient iPad that you use to run around the world, <laughs> and it kind of gives you more information. So the more that you like, as you like beat beat different level there's not levels but there's a lot of like little places that you can go in and like you can you can beat the the, like little dungeons or little shrines that you can like beat and then when you do you get more information so every time that you do something you get a little bit more more so so I still don't have a lot of answers but I have some also you can dye your clothes that's really fun, too. <laughs> I can keep changing my outfit. But you have to have, like, if you want to make yourself purple, you have to have, like, a lot of purple items. So, like, I wasn't able to do navy, which is what I really wanted. I had to settle for a different shade of blue. But it actually looks pretty good. So, anyway,
0: that's where I'm at. So you really could just spend a lot of time playing this game, but, like, not playing the game.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's why it takes so many hours. Because you could literally just hunch and gather. You can do side quests. And then, like I was telling so then there's, like, all these little dungeons that you can beat. And there are, there are monsters. So like you can go through fighting and try and get really strong, but you can also almost all of the time, you can just sneak around the monsters. So like, you don't have to fight them or you don't have to be good at fighting really to like progress. But also a lot of the, a lot of the game, like level, the little mini levels that you reach aren't about anything other than they're just puzzles. So it's like really fun to find a new shrine. Cause they're all just puzzles that you have to figure out like how to get like a, a piece of machinery to work a certain way. By using the little magical powers that you've developed. And so that's what I'm stuck in right now. I'm stuck in a dungeon that I can't, I have, I beat two parts of it, but I have to do two more and I haven't figured it out. But it's like so addictive to just be like, oh, it's just five more minutes and I'll have f- figured this puzzle out and then you don't figure it out and it's 30 minutes later. Anyway. Whew, okay. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. I'll let you know if I'm ever able to bake a cake in the game because that's my ultimate goal. I think if okay. I do that, I will feel like I've beat the game. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, good luck with (laughs) making. All right. All right. Um, Well, we will be back next time with villains and um, a new world. Yeah. The new world. One Uh, of those two.
1: And this week? God, everyone. I hated everyone this week. Team Tara for the last time, really.
0: Oh. Yeah. Yeah. uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, Tara and
1: Willow were legit, like, so cute in this episode. I really liked the positive moments that they did get
0: yeah team tara for the last time team tara mm-hmm. okay all right i'll talk to you next week okay bye bye once more with commentary is produced by me Ally, and me jenny our theme music
1: is from the album rockingham by
0: nerf herder and our podcast logo is by ryan cooney you can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have and find us on Twitter and Instagram at podcast.
1: You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.